Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Let's roll, baby. It's a Tuesday edition, special Tuesday edition of New York, New York. We use Julie J.J. Johnson-Stremski. Um, I hope you're enjoying this Major League postseason. I didn't think I'd get annoyed, honestly, because like the baseball season was such an all-time flop for both the Yankees and the Mets that mentally I kind of had like pushed the idea of any more anger and agita and whatever the case may be. I don't know how many more Bryce Harper home runs I need to see with the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, in all seriousness, think about this postseason and think about the former New York baseball players that are shining this postseason. Zach Wheeler last night. Nice job by the Mets not re-signing him. I don't know if you want to uh, blame Wilpon on that. I don't know if you want to blame their coolest ex-GM, Brody Van Wagenen. Remember, the Mets had no use for Zach Wheeler. They traded for Marcus Stroman, who's not half the pitcher Wheeler's. He's just, he's not. He doesn't go as deep in the games. He doesn't have the power stuff. He's not as good in the postseason. He's not as good. He's not as good. And the Mets said, oh, let's take another year of Marcus Stroman. Instead, Zach Wheeler goes to Philadelphia and has done nothing but dominate. He's been a Cy Young candidate. Pitched great in the playoffs. I think the Mets could use a guy by the name of Zach Wheeler. Don't worry. The Yankees are not excluded. Jordan Montgomery and that trade. And I know Harrison Bader hit five home runs and was fun to watch and it was a local story. That was an awful trade. We nailed it. We're taking a W for that. I'm patting myself on the back. That's right. I'm doing all of these things. Jordan Montgomery was an ace for the Cardinals down the stretcher last year. Gets traded to Texas and has done nothing but pitch brilliantly in postseason games. To the point where 
he's going to make a gazillion dollars in the offseason. To the point where people are talking about, oh, what, what free agent pitchers are out there that could improve your baseball team? Yeah, a guy by the name of Jordan Montgomery. He can improve your team. It's a shame the Yankees will not resign him. Uh, I'd be stunned if that happens. They missed the boat. And listen, I like Carlos Rodon as far as the signing at the time. I don't like him right about now. Would you rather have Carlos Rodon or Jordan Montgomery in your rotation? Thanks, Cashman. I'm not done. Harper not being a Yankee. And I've said it multiple times on this show. And I know there are some people who said, J.J., you kind of came to the defense of Hal and Brian Cashman back in 2018. And I did. Because I felt like the Yankees had an organizational plan. It looked like their young players were about to flourish and prosper. And I'm like, okay, I, I like what they're doing. Now, I wanted Harper. I wanted no part of Machado. That was always my big kind of topic of conversation because I hated how righty the Yankees had become. And I loved the idea of a lefty, sweet, swinging, power-hitting player coming to the team. They traded for Stanton. They had no use for Harper. The Cashman quote, oh, he could never play first base. It's unrealistic. Well, that's being proven wrong. And the guy has turned into a premier postseason performer. Premier. To the point where you watch these Phillies games, you almost expect Harper to hit a home run again and again and again and again. That will never sit well with me. Thanks, Cashman. Thanks, Al. Really appreciate it. We continue, though. Justin Verlander is still pitching in the postseason and pitching well. I don't know how much longer for the Houston Astros. Texas up 2-0 in that series. How about this on Wednesday? Max Scherzer, fresh off the injured list, starting game three of the ALCS for Texas. So it, it really is fair and balanced as far as getting annoyed with seeing guys on the Phillies, on the on the Rangers, on the Astros, with New York ties. And I have no idea how Scherzer's going to pitch. Is it going to be the Padres and the Braves reincarnated from last year? But you know, the idea of seeing Max Scherzer pitching in a playoff game, and dare I say, if he pitches well for Texas, I'm going to be sick to my stomach about that if I'm a Met fan. And I even have to throw Evaldi in there. Now, look, I actually give the Yankees more of a pass on Evaldi than I would a Harper, than I would a Montgomery. Because, listen, Evaldi was not a great Yankee. There were glimpses. He threw hard. They liked him. Got hurt. They non-tender him. He goes to Tampa. He pitched great for Tampa, shut down the Yankees. And really, the legend of Nathan Ovaldi in October, it started in 2018 for the Red Sox. It started shutting down the Yankees in the division series, then doing his thing against the Astros, then having that heroic World Series performance against Los Angeles, even though he gave up the walk-off homer, kind of really was the springboard for Boston winning a World Series that year. And Ovaldi... He's one of the best, if not the best, big game pitcher the sport has to offer right now. That's how good he is when the games matter the most. That's another reminder. So as we get ready for football Sunday, as we'll have our football Friday show later in the week, these are a couple of things that have been kind of eating at me as I'm sitting there watching a bunch of playoff baseball. And for Thursday's show, what I want you guys to do 
at 917-382-1151. And obviously, they're going to be different vantage points it is from a Yankee or a Met perspective. But what bothers you the most out of all of these things? Is it Harper not being a Yankee? Is it Wheeler not being a Met? Is it the fact that Scherzer and Verlander are pitching in the postseason and they're not doing with the Mets? You tell me. For me, Harper obviously is going to take the cake. Montgomery's an honorable mention. It's an honorable mention, but I think not having Bryce Harper and Yankee pinstripes is just absolutely deplorable. So there's that. We got a lot of football on this show. Um, mixed bag. We're going to have CJ Uzama in his spot, his bi weekly spot, two game winning streak for the Jets, three and three. And I'm telling you, folks, even with Wilson at quarterback, plus 350 to make the playoffs on FanDuel. I am invested. Makes sense. Good defense. Got through this gauntlet of a schedule. Bottom of the AFC, a little bit more wide open than we thought. Can I stop hearing about how great Justin Herbert is? I mean, my God, the nerds. What are the nerds going to do? The nerds saw another situation where Justin Herbert had a chance to go and be the hero and win the game, and he's getting sacked, and he's missing wide open receivers. But, oh, because he throws such a pretty ball, and he looks, and it feels like a quarterback out of central casting. We can't criticize the guy. I mean, can we stop putting him in the Mahomes and a Burrow conversation? It's insulting. It's insulting. Please. And I know my guy's got a lot to prove. And right now he's playing his ass off, by the way. But this Herbert, like, drool fest is, is, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it's all these football nerds that drool these nerd metric nonsense numbers that don't watch the games. Herbert's a talented quarterback. I'm not saying that he's not. The way he has been kind of put on his pedestal is ridiculous. He stunk yesterday. And I had Cowboys, so I'm not complaining about it, but he stunk. Everyone's like, oh, Brandon Staley. We know Brandon Staley stinks. Chargers lost that game because of Herbert yesterday. And the Jets, by the way, have a defense that's going to go and get to him seven or eight times as far as I'm concerned. So there's opportunity for the Jets to go and make the playoffs. Sorry I went on that little Justin Herbert diatribe, but listen, sometimes we have an agenda we need to get to. I made sure I got to this agenda. Like so many people, oh, yeah, you said you don't have Herbert? No, <laughs> not at all. I'm saying I'm Joe Burrow. I love Tua, but Joe Burrow's gone to a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow's the dude. Herbert, eh, it's a little too robotic for my my taste, for my liking. But don't tell that to the nerds. The nerds, they'll 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 try to they'll try to basically get you banned from football media. So you know you got you got to be careful with that one. But we got a loaded show. CJ Uzama gonna join us. Danny Heifetz on whether Giant fans should be in a position where. You're rooting losses? Are we there yet? We might be there in a week or two. Some of you might already be there now. I don't know where you guys stand on that. It's going to be interesting to gauge over the next few weeks. We're going to have a bunch of announcements coming up for stuff we have going on over the next few weeks that I'm fired up about. So, very eventful Tuesday pod. CJ Uzama in a Danny Heifetz. Big bang boom. Next. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. 
All right, let's welcome back to the show a man who now is feeling his oats a little bit. Uh, his team has won two games in a row. They're riding into the bye week on a high. CJ Uzama, welcome back to New York, New York. I just got to say right out of the gate, I think you might have a future maybe running for Congress, maybe running for Senate, because the last time we chatted, you were very diplomatic. You know, you gave me the... The, the answer I think your coaches all wanted to hear. I don't think you guys wanted to give Denver any bulletin board material. But then as we're getting ready for Jets and Broncos, and I see this like passionate, fired up, we're winning for hack, throwing a couple of F-bombs. I'm like, all right, my guy CJ might be running for Senate soon. Just saying, dude. No, that was, uh, I, I really, it really came out of no, like, I don't think about what I'm going to say for the speeches until like we start, we have like a, you know, they say like 10 minutes, five minutes, two minutes, whatever. And then, like, like two minutes, I'm like, all right, nice. Like, I start, start thinking about what I was going to say. And that came to me, and I was just like, like oh, this is going to get the boys re- This is going to get the boys ready. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I don't know about Senate. Or I, don't, I don't know about any of that. But, I mean, why not? Shoot, I get the people going. <laughs> um, is that something, CJ, you do a lot, like, before a game where you're one of the guys you feel kind of, like, obligated, where it's like, hey, I'm going to hype the guys up. I've been in the league a bunch. This is something I'm kind of comfortable doing, or is it kind of like, "Hey, I'm feeling it today," or "I'm not feeling it today"? How do you kind of go about that? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I kind of i I did that a little bit in Cincinnati for sure. I think um, you know, I kind of took on that that role, and um, last year it was kind of mixed; it was in and out. And then this year, um, first first oh, during the preseason game, um, first one that um, eight was playing in for a little bit and. And I was like, you, you want to say something? Like, this is, I mean, I, I, would, I would gladly step back. And he was like, oh, no, you got it. And he said, you know, the tight end always does it or did it for, you know, when he when he had been playing. So I was like, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I kind of done it last year and I'm comfortable with it. So, yeah, it was, you know, I think I think that's that's the that's the vibe is just kind of have the tight end do it. And if someone, you know, feels like heavily about something, I'm like, you know, you got it. Like, if, if you're going to, if you're going to get the boys going, let's do it. So, um, yeah, it's. Primarily, I think, the tight end thing. Fair enough. Well, listen, you got it going right now. Your team has won two games in a row. You go and win Denver. Your defense makes the big play to get the uh, strip sack on Russ and the score. And then you have this game against the Eagles. And, And CJ, we all know how good the Eagles are. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They got talent galore on both sides of the ball. And listen, I was rooting like crazy for you guys. I was in a wedding in Philadelphia. The, the people down there were insufferable. They were giving me all sorts of shit. So I'm like, all right, I hope the Jets stick it to them. And then I'm like checking Twitter and seeing injury reports. And I'm like, geez, no DJ Reed, no Sauce Gardner. Don't want to be beat up playing a team like Philadelphia. But yet you guys go and win this game in dramatic fashion. So I think it's fair to say losing Aaron Rodgers, dealing with a whole lot of adversity in these first six games. I'd say all in all, you guys should feel pretty good about being three and three. What do you stand on that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you know, we were looking at the the tight ends like right when we came in. You know, our, our lockers are close to close to one another, especially game day, and um, so we're we're talking about it and like, oh, nice. You know, we're we're two and the past two weeks. That's what we're thinking about right now. Is that's the second quarter, right? And, and being two and in the second quarter, and we were thinking back to the other games, and we're like, we feel like we 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 let two get away, right? We oh, there's were, no like, doubt. Kansas City and New England, 100%. Right, exactly. And so we're, we're sitting here and we're like, I mean, granted, you know, we don't want to look too much in the past, right? You want to look in the future and we're three and three and we're happy about the last two weeks and, 
you know, we're looking forward to, to, to continuing the momentum, but we're, we're sitting here like we, sh- we could easily be five and one right now and, and we should be five and one. And, you know, that's, that's the, for me, that's such a reassuring thing that that's what's on people's minds. Not like, oh, nice. We're good. We're, I mean, not, not that we're good, but like, you know, we're starting to pick up, pick up the pace a little bit. It's like, we should be five and one in our eyes. Like we should be, we should be going to this by like, oh, wow. Yep. We're, we're, we're the team to be. And we feel that way, but we're just like, dang, we let two slip away. We can't let that keep happening. So yeah, I think, you know, the past two weeks with, with how we've responded and how we've been able to, to edge out those close games is, is huge moving forward, especially because, you know, I think for the most part, you, you look around the league and, and they're one score games, right? Across the board. So you're able to pull out those fourth quarter, those kind of late dramatic wins that you don't want to be in as a player, but as a fan, you're kind of appreciating like the, 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 you know, how close it is, how dramatic it is towards the end of the game. As a team, you got to be confident in, in your ability to win those close games. So talk me through this Eagle game in the fourth quarter. So your defense is playing great. You guys, it felt like a lot of self-inflicted wounds. There was that a couple of penalties where it felt like you guys should have had more points than you actually did. But then it becomes, you know, a clock management game where the Eagles, if they get a first down, they go and win the game. Do they decide to run? Do they decide to throw? Talk me through what it's like, CJ. You're on the sideline. You're watching Jalen Hurts on third down, and then boom, you're watching that interception go the other way. You got to be going ballistic, right? Oh, oh crazy! Are you kidding me? <laughs> we, uh, yeah, again. So tight end, tight ends are close knit, right? Like every position is close knit. It seems like you guys are super close knit because I always yeah. see you guys sitting together. It's like the fraternity. I get it, man. Yeah, yeah. and so and so I'm biased again, but like you know, we're we're, we're the boys, right? So. We're sitting down and we have a, we have a little like, it's not completely superstitious, but it's kind of superstitious, right? We're sitting down every time. Like third down doesn't matter. We're sitting. Like we cannot be standing. And if someone gets up to have to talk to a coach and, you know, we do well, then that, that next drive, that person has to stand up for that drive. We're like, no, 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 we, we can't, we can't jinx this, right? So we're sitting down. It's third down. Everyone like we're, we're, we have the towels in hand, but we're sitting down, we're not moving. And, um, right when we get that pick, we're going absolutely ballistic. It was insane. I mean, the crowd, the crowd was going crazy, right? And and you know, it was tough to tell initially. Like, there's so much green, you don't know who's cheering for who because there's just green everywhere. You look it's an at easy it. drive for those Philly folks, man. I made it on Sunday. I get it. It's an easy drive. So exactly. that's but that's the NFL in general, though, CJ. I feel like fans now. You guys probably see it when the Jets are on the road. Like it's. People like traveling these games, man. You make it an event, you make it a weekend. So, you know, like oh, that's sure, kind of comes sure. with the territory, right? For sure, for sure. I, I, I agree. Um, it, it was just, you know, it was like, oh man, like, you're looking to see a green. All of a sudden we get the interception and you know, like, yeah, the Philly fans traveled well. Don't get twisted, but like, you know, who's dominating the stadium and it was loud as anything. And we, we immediately, we were unbelievably excited, right? And we're like, all right, we got to, you know, we're like, oh, we got to, we got to score. We got to put it in the end zone and, you know, give give the ball or put the roll the ball in our defense's court, and we know they're going to make a play because they had been the entire game. They have been pretty much the entire year, right? So, um, yeah, no, it was that was insane. That was insane. So at the end of the game, there, right after you get the interception, I'm like going through it as we're watching it. It's like, do you want to score the touchdown? Do you not want to score the touchdown? Like this, to to be honest, CJ, there's a case to be made in my opinion, both sides, right? Like I don't think it's one of those clear cut no-brainer type deals. Did you guys kind of anticipate that the Eagles were going to let you score there? Or do you just kind of say, hey, get the touchdown. Our defense is playing great. 
and we're not going to worry about that. Yeah, it's it's our defense has been you know playing lights out. Let's let's score and and again just put in our defense's hands who who've been you know kind of really asserting themselves the entire game. And um, so that wasn't like that wasn't a oh man let's not score let's try to waste time let's do this let's do that. It's no we're going to score because we have confidence in our defense that they're going to go out there and do what needs to be done um, for us to win this game and and they did so. Um, yeah, it was, let's, let's, let's get this thing in there and, and kind of wipe our hands clean and cheer on our defense. You know, the defense, listen, last year was terrific. We all know that. Like, there are a lot of brand name players. There are a lot of star players on that defense. At least early, CJ, I've noticed the difference, though, is that they're getting more takeaways. They're getting those sort of, like, game-defining, game-changing type of moments. It was Whitehead in the Bills game was Quincy, who's been a beast for you guys all year in the Denver game, Adams with the interception against Philadelphia. Is that a difference that you've noticed in the defense from last year to this year? Like the idea of let's not just hold teams to all point totals, but let's go and make those plays that are the difference between maybe winning and losing a game. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's um, you know, shout out to them. They, they're making the most of the opportunities, right? You know, when, when they're in the when they're in the right position, it's not just, all right, let's get this deflection. Let's make sure the, the receiver doesn't catch the ball. Let's do this. Thing. Whatever the case is, it's, oh, we're getting the ball. Like, we are attacking the ball. That is our ball. Ball's on the ground. We're getting it. Um, you know, I saw something about, you know, the amount of fumbles that we have is, is up there in like maybe sixth or fifth in the, in the league right now. And, um, yeah, with, with those interceptions, I mean, they, they come at just like the perfect time, right? And, um, so everybody's been, everybody's been balling out. Everybody's been in the right position. They're, they're trusting one another in the scheme and, um, knowing that, you know, they can be in certain positions to be able to, to make those plays on the ball because they know that their guy has their back in the, in the back end or the front end, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a difference in terms of the takeaways, especially in the, in the first couple of games is, man, like these, these guys are getting, they're going to get us the ball. And, and, you know, offensively, we're not happy with, um, we're not satisfied with what we've been able to do with those because, you know, we've, we've been giving Greg the leg just points after points, right? And we just yeah, wanna, you don't. He, he's good if you have him on the fantasy team, but you guys, you don't want your kicker putting up a ton of points. No, you want no, him just getting the ones. That's it. Points, once. That is the goal. Is just one. We're looking at him like, hey, Greg, look, I love you, I appreciate you, but we just need extra points right now. We don't need these field goals that you're kicking. So, um, you know, we we definitely have to we have to find a way to finish in the in the red zone there, but the gold zone, as we like to call it. Um, but you know. Yeah, we're, we're. I mean, we're 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 on the bench. We're like our defense is they're you know, like we, you know we 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 know we knew this in OTAs and camp. But watching them ball out, we're like, oh my gosh, they're gonna get us the ball back. We have to. So I know this because I have a great buddy in my life. Joe Benengo is like the biggest Jeff fan on the planet, and he's like a Joe Namath Jeff fan, CJ. So he's been around. If you ever see him with Coach Sala. He's he's seen it all, man. Oh, the pain across the board. He loved reminding me this week that the Jets had never in their history beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. Was that something? And, and I, I know with this stuff, CJ, it's weird because it's like, listen, you weren't on a team 10 years ago. You weren't on a team 20 years ago. You had nothing to do with it. You guys in the locker room, Coach Salad, they had nothing to do with it. But is that something that like you guys heard about it all throughout the week? Or is this something you find out like after the game? Kind of curious. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I know some some of the guys. I know, you know, Jeremy Ruckert, you know, he, he grew up a Jets fan. And so he knew about it for sure. Okay. Um, and, and same with his dad, dad who, you know, I got to talk to after the game. But for me, it was one of those, oh, yeah, like, I 
you know, I kind of found out a little bit before and then didn't really hit me until afterwards where, um, I think, I think it was Jeremy that said like the first time ever, you know, like first time we had ever beaten him. And I was like, Oh gosh, I completely forgot about that. Um, so yeah, I think for the most part, it's, it's past is the past. Um, you know, I think, you know, it'll, it might get brought up, you know, with, with certain people for media or for, you know, just maybe a little extra motivation from, from certain coaches. But, um, yeah, it was something that was kind of like in the back of my mind, to be honest, until afterwards. We're like, oh, yeah, good. <laughs> we needed that, right, for the, for the franchise and for the organization. Cross that one off the list. Um, I'm not in the locker room day in and day out. I know the fans are not, you know, given that opportunity. They don't have the, the uniform on. They're not a part of the 53. But from afar, CJ, it seems like, and maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe I'm not reading enough into it. It seems like you guys love your coaches. Really. Like, it seems genuine and it seems sincere where it's like, sometimes you kind of feel it's BS. Other times you kind of feel it's real. I notice it with Quincy and Coach Salad doing that, like, celebration, their, their whole thing on the sideline. You obviously last week talking up Coach Hack and the way you guys kind of rallied around him in Denver a few weeks ago. It, it, is that a thing, CJ, where this, this group, you guys, the 53, coaching staff it kind of seems really really tight knit yeah i think you know i think it goes i mean again like i i don't i don't know um dynamics between siblings because i'm an only child um and so oh, you I, really you don't see i'm surprised by that i was gonna say I, you seem you got like a big brother vibe you know cool. i think that's a great thing i think that that just made my day um <laughs> there you go yeah um so I, I don't know exactly how like the dynamic is between them like true families that you were, you, you know, you grew up, you grew up with, but you know, for, for me, not, not having any siblings, the fact that I'm with, you know, the tight ends and my brothers day in and day out and, and with the coaches day in and day out, that is as close to my family as my mom and dad can ever get, right? Because I'm with them 24, seven day, you know, damn, damn near 24, seven, three, six, five, grounding with one another, you know, like putting the pads on, hitting, hitting each other. Like it's, it's crazy. Right. So yeah, I think, you know, when you spend that much time with someone and, and you, you have the certain respect that you do with the coaches, I mean, even with your position coach, right? Like, shout out Coach Mid. Coach Mid's my guy, right? Like, again, super biased. Tight ends are the best. Tight ends got the best position group. Tight ends have the best coaches with, you know, Mid, Smash, and Mac. Like, we, we are that connected. And then you, you take it a little bit broader and, you know, obviously you go with Coach Hack and you, you're with him all the time and, with installs and things like that. And he makes it so much fun, right? It's not just like, let me just get up here with a little laser pointer and point out certain things. It's, oh, let's make this fun. Let's incorporate certain things. Let's incorporate memes. Let's, you know, have little breaks, whatever it is. Um, yeah, you, you can tell, you know, you can tell that, you know, we want to play for one another, but we also want to play for the coaches and, and you know, we want to win for these guys. Right. So that was apparent for me, that was apparent in that in that Broncos game, and you know it's it's continuing over. Once you see the passion that your coaches have and the excitement, like you said, when when Salah's doing the you know doing the doing the fist bump with uh with with Q, and that livens everybody up, that gets everybody more excited. You see, to me, you see an older person. I'm 30. I'm old to some of my teammates, but you see an older person get animated and get after it and get fired up. You're like, oh yeah. That's, that's what I should be right now. I need to, I need to, I need to do a little bit more. I need to be on his level. So, yeah, no, we've got, we've got great, great connections with our coaches. Um, we want to play harder for them. Um, just because we know how much they're putting in 
and how much they're giving us. So yeah, it's it's good. It's it's truly unique. Um, I saw this on Twitter. I know it went viral. I'm sure you've seen it firsthand. Pretty cool seeing eight throwing some passes. I, I mean, the guy, and I get it. He's not running around, CJ. It's not like he's doing, you know, uh, the you know agility drills or anything like that. The guy just blew out his Achilles a few weeks ago, and he's throwing freaking passes without crutches on a MetLife Stadium field uh, about a month later. That's pretty nuts, man. No, it was insane. <laughs> it was insane. And I didn't see, you know, he was out. I think he was throwing with Sauce, right, before. Um, and I didn't see that. I was in the locker room, and then we came out for our warm-ups. And uh, so I'm walking by, and I was just going to dap him up. And he was like, what are you doing? Come on. Don't, don't, be, don't be shy. I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He's like, come on, play some catch with me. So what are you talking about? And he starts throwing the ball, and I'm like, dude, when I have my, like, this is this is unheard of to me. Like, what are you, like, this is, it honestly is, it's miraculous. To me, it's miraculous, right? And, you know, we, we had had conversations, and he was like, just because, he, one of the first things he texted me was, just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. And I was like, damn, yeah, that's some real stuff right there. I, I, I love that. I love that energy. I love that vibe. I love, you know, that that's how you're attacking this rehab. And to see him out there doing, you know, throwing passes, being able just to walk without a boot and just kind of being on crutches a little bit. And I'm just like, he's he's serious about this, which is honestly amazing and mind-blowing at the same time that I was like, how was I doing it? Like, where, am I, was I on a different program than he was? Like, what's going on? Because I, I feel in my head that I was, I came back fast. And he's coming, he's, you know, he's trying to expedite that process. So it's great to see him out there. It, it gives us a little bit even more of like a, Damn, that's our that's that's our guy out there. Trying I was to- gonna say that's got to be great for you guys having him around, right? Like the idea that he's around and you know he's joking around with you guys and seeing him do you know all sorts of crazy stuff in this rehab. That's got to be like inspirational, right? Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's cool just to. I mean, anytime you have a Hall of Fame quarterback around, it's it's great, right? A Hall of Famer in general. It, you know, added added on that it's AR and added on that you know it's our quarterback and you know I think I think it, I think the cool thing is him being on the bench during the game. Um, you know, talking to certain guys, right? Like, hey, you know, talking to the tight ends about certain things, talking to Z about certain things, talking about talking to the receivers of the line about certain things. And, you know, I think that's that's the the advantage of having a really unbelievable quarterback on the sideline, you know, from that outside perspective, like, hey, this this is working, this isn't working, this could work, this, you know, maybe do this instead and things like that. And we're like, oh, that's all right, cool. Like, solid. Thank you. Like just a little tidbit to add when you go back out on, out on the field. So for the next drive. Um, so no, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely great to, to, to have him. Around. So we got a bye week coming up. Uh, are you a guy that likes to stay in town? You go on a little vacation. What, what's, what's the vibe for CJ Uzama usually this time of year bye week? Yeah, I always, not always. There's been, there's been a couple of times where I've gone to like Auburn or something, but um, this, this year I, I'm going to Nashville. I have a I have a place in Nashville, so nice. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take you know the girlfriend and my pup, and we're gonna go we're gonna go down to Nashville, um, and then I'm gonna see my you know one of my best friends ever. Um, his little brother is playing. He plays at Chattanooga, and we're gonna go down and and watch him play. It's gonna be the last time I'm gonna watch him play. So um, I'm gonna watch him play in Chattanooga on Saturday, and then fly right back up. That sounds like a bye week, as far as I'm concerned. Now. Yeah. I don't know if this is accurate. Are you a big Halloween guy? Yay or nay? I, I, I enjoy holidays. I was going to say, yeah. you strike me as a guy that would get into Halloween. I do. 
I do. Like, I'm having a party last last Friday in October. Can't do it on Saturday because you know work gets crazy on Sunday. And I want to yeah. I want to be feeling my best, CJ, to do all my, you know, units and whatnot. Friday night, I don't have to worry about anything on Saturday. So I'm doing Ace Ventura because, you know, big Dolphin fan. The wife is dressing up as a dolphin. She was going to do Einhorn and Finkel. She didn't want to do that. I don't blame her. <laughs> That's no fun. Um, so are we getting into Halloween? We getting in costume? Any big party? What do we got going on? That's a good question. We're we're uh, we're probably gonna have a, a little team get together for sure. Um, as as far as the the Halloween, co- I don't know. I gotta ask. I gotta ask boss lady. She she's gonna probably ah the lady is determining the costume. Probably, I understand that. Yeah, she's probably gonna pick something out. She because of the greenish hair, she was like, oh, we could do like a we could do like a like a Phineas and Fur type. type you could be the Joker. Too. You want to go down that road? You could go the Joker. I mean, there's there's a lot of. I'm I'm gonna let her decide on that one. I, I think I'll I'll be able to dress up whatever. Um, yeah, as long as it, when she when she picks it out, then I'll be like, right, next thing. I got I got a costume idea. I'll I'll, I'll go with. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely a dress up guy for sure. I like that. Well, your quarterback, Mister Rogers, knows a thing or two about Halloween. I mean, he I, I don't know if he's around because of his rehab, but we've seen in the past he kind of goes balls to the wall Halloween style. CJ. Yeah, no, he goes crazy. I'm not, I don't know. I uh, I don't know if I'm. I'm as you're not as dedicated. I understand yeah, that. I mean, right. he takes it to another level, right? I think. Uh, I mean, when I'm done playing, maybe I'll be that dedicated. Like, I, I'll, I'll, I might rent out a whole house just to make like a little like haunted house situation. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm more of a just let's pick out a really like cool, different outfit, kind of like add my twist to it. Throw some, you know, some Nikes, some Jordans on it, and and, and make it look a little bit, you know, a little bit elevated, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think well, I'll have some fun with it. I got, I got to figure it out. I like the sound of that. Uh, before we say goodbye, giant game after the bye week, first experience jet giant, you know, it's, it's a vibe, man. We don't get it every year. Mm-hmm. It comes around every four years with the schedule. It might be a little bit more now, depending on the quirks and whatnot. Uh, you super stoked for the battle of MetLife, not in a preseason game. Yeah, no, I am actually, I think it's going to be so, it's going to be unbelievably fun. Um, you know, you're going to have New York fans everywhere just going crazy. And I mean, you know, you, you know how New York fans are. So it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be wild. Um, I'm expecting, I'm expecting a good turnout. I'm expecting, I don't know. There might be some fights in this thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to expect. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it all and I'm excited for it. So, um, it should be fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's interesting that it's an away game for us. So. Um, That's good news for you guys, man. Get to sleep in your own bed, you know, used to the routine. Anytime Jet Giant is the road game, that's that's a win for you is, guys. It is cool. It is. It is. But it's also interesting because at the same time, like we don't get to park in our normal spot. We, you know, it's it's a little. It's the the nuanced things are a little interesting. But no, it should be fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I hope the city's looking forward to it because you know I'm sure there's yeah I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna be rowdy out there. CJ, enjoy the bye week, man. We'll chat after that giant game, and I look forward to getting a full breakdown of what the lady decides that you're doing for Halloween. So hopefully we're talking about another win, and we're talking about what that Halloween plan is going to be. So I will circle back on that, all right, dude? Sounds good. That's our buddy CJ Uzama. We'll chat in a couple weeks. We got a lot more to do. Coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles. 
because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. So we go from CJ Uzama to a guy who right now is peak superstardom. Ringer fantasy football show, all the Ringer NFL stuff. But his Giants are as bad as can be. Spirited competitive effort, but one in five to start off this year. So I thought it was a perfect time to welcome back to New York to get a, a, a sense and a feel for how he and the fellow Giant fan are feeling right about now. We welcome in Danny Heifetz. What's up, Danny? JJ, thank you for having me. I I, um, I would say I feel like there's a pattern of me coming in after Giants losses. But if you didn't have me after Giants losses, we might not have spent that much time together over the past few years. So, I know it really does revert back to the initial stages of our relationship where <laughs> we were dealing with the Joe Judge era and we were dealing with quarterback sneaks on the one-yard line. And look, I, I, I'm not going to go to the extreme now in saying that Brian Dable is Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo and is Joe Judge reincarnated. But I did want to believe, Danny, even though there were so many signs that were pointed to 2023 being a year of giant regression, tougher schedule. Uh, they won a bunch of close games last year. You know, you got that first year coach bump, whatever the case may be. I wanted to believe, hey, they upgraded their offensive personnel. Yes, Daniel Jones is evolving and is progressing. And the Giants are going to be building upon what they did in 2022. But I guess I should have trusted those instincts of regression, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I'm at the point where I think Brian Dable might have to get coach of the year again. Because here the Giants are about to beat the Buffalo Bills in Sunday Night Football and ruin their draft spot for the season by getting these extra wins. And Brian Dable's like, no, 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 we got to preserve this. Going to run out of time at the end of each half, not going to score any points. And I'm like, man, that is a coach who can see the bigger picture. So you know what? I think as good as last year was, maybe, you know, I've never been more impressed with Brian Dable, really, if you think about it. Wow. So you and my buddy Alex in Brooklyn via Short Hills and many of the Giant fans have seen this season that had playoff expectations, that had feel-good vibes going into 2023. And listen, I was with Alex a week ago in Miami. He's chanting Caleb Williams. You are now at a point with the Giants six games in this year, Danny, where you think the tank is what you should be looking for and what you're embracing? Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. I think it, this is hard to talk about outside of the family. And I like doing this within New York because, honestly, you talk about Daniel Jones outside and people, it, it's really hard. I think the thing that Giants, people listening understand is, it, people forget how bad the team was when Brian Dable took over. It was literally the rock bottom in the history of the Giants, like franchise history, was the 2021 Joe Judge era, fewest touchdowns in over two year span, coming off the QB sneak on third, because third and nine, they're afraid to run a play. And this is actually very similar to what the Bills did when uh, Joe Shane and Brandon Bean took over the Bills front office in Buffalo, is the Bills actually made the playoffs in that first season in 2017. And they, with Pyro Taylor, actually, they overperformed. They played the awful Jaguars wildcard game. 
2018, this expectation, Bills were worse. They had six and 10. Like they regressed. Like this is actually, how much did we hear about Buffalo being the model? This is exactly what happened in Buffalo. The question is, in 2018, the Bills drafted Josh Allen. In 2023, the Giants extended Daniel Jones. I think Jones is still going to be the question. But the way I look at it, and to answer your question, if you adjust, if you weight uh, the roster by how many snaps, like how many snaps people are actually playing. The Giants have the youngest roster in the NFL. They have the youngest offensive line. They have the youngest linebacker core. They have the youngest secondary. So yeah, I'm not surprised Tyree Kill is beating Trey Hawkins, who's a rookie sixth rounder at Old Dominion, who's guarding dudes at like Chattanooga last year. I'm, surpri- I'm not surprised Tyree Kill is scoring 69-yard touchdowns. And I'm not surprised that the youngest offensive line in the league has struggled against Micah Parsons and, and uh, Nick Bosa. So, I, you know, obviously between the injuries and everything, Justin Pugh's coming off his couch to guard Tyrod Taylor's blind side. Like, think about that sentence from a month ago. So I, this team was never going to win the Super Bowl this year. There are pieces in the trenches. Left tackle, Andrew Thomas. Hopefully, John Michael Jingleheimer Schmitz is good center. Evan Neal, if he sucks at right tackle, can move to guard. That's still three pieces. We have a good defensive line. Like, we're okay. Just this, this year is not the year. Okay. There's this great debate amongst Giants fans when they watch the offense scuffle and struggle the way that they have. Is it the quarterback? Is it the offensive line? Is it both? And listen, Danny, I think we're of the understanding. The giant offensive line, like it was in prior regimes, is an out-and-out abomination. It is terrible. It is really, really lousy. And you see the absence of Andrew Thomas being felt. I get that. I understand that. Other teams around the league are having offensive line issues. There are plenty of teams that are missing one or two or three offensive linemen. And then I see Tyrod Taylor come in and he didn't light the world on fire. The end of the first half was inexcusable and unacceptable, but he didn't get sacked as much. He moved around a little bit. He got the ball out of his hands quicker. I actually saw him take shots down the field. So were we at a point with Daniel Jones in the Seattle game and the Miami game where this was just a quarterback who was so shell-shocked by what has happened as far as his lack of protection that he just is simply unable to play the position because he's got that deer-in-the-headlights syndrome? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, yes, I think is the short answer. I think that Saquon coming back does make the offense have more juice overall and, and probably makes it a little easier. But yeah, Tyra, it was a little freaky how Tyra Taylor looked better than Jones. I would say two things. He looked better, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not imagining no, that. He, like, the he offense, looked better than Jones did against Seattle and Miami. Everything was smoother. I will say it's probably cheating a little bit because Brian Dable worked for Sean McDermott for three years. So that game, in a way, is kind of like a an unreplicable performance of Brian Dable, you know, facing a defense that he knew worked for three years. So I think that that's kind of t- tough. However, I'll say two things. I cannot freaking handle all the outside criticism of that this is this season is Daniel Jones's fault. Like I cannot handle it because in pro football focus, it's not perfect, but they grade offensive linemen. The two lowest graded offensive out of 65 tackles, the two lowest graded tackles entering last week were uh Josh Izudu at left and the Evan Neal. They were literally out of 65, the two lowest guy graded guys. Ben Bredesen, who replaced John Michael Schmitz at center. Ben Bredesen's the single lowest graded center. So it's the last graded center, the two lowest graded tackles, and the people who are healthier are the guards, and they're the worst part of the team. And the highest graded guard is um, Glowinski, who was benched. So I'm like, this line is horrific. But at the same time, the quarterback sets the ceiling for the team, not the floor. The offensive lineman sets the floor. I do think Jones sets caps the ceiling of the team moving forward. And I will say, the same way that in 20, 
2020, the Giants passed on Justin Herbert because Daniel they had Daniel Jones. I don't think just because we have Daniel Jones under contract means that if they're in position for a great quarterback, that they should just say no just because they have Jones under contract. Fair enough. Um, next couple of weeks are going to be interesting. They're one and five. They play the Commanders on Sunday. That's one of those, eh, maybe they can win type of games. If they continue to lose, they got the Commanders, they have the Jets, and then the trade deadline is Halloween. Do you think this is a team that maybe makes a trade or two, specifically Saquon Barkley? Yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, I I, to, I I know it's brutal for people to say, but like the reality is they're, they're one in five. And the, I mean, the Giants, the games coming up are um, Washington, the Jets, Raiders, Dallas. I mean, if you can't beat Washington, they end up losing to the, I mean, you know, the Jets game. Uh, you know, that's the last one for Halloween. If you're one in six entering that game, you're not making the freaking playoffs. And so at that point, unless they're going to resign Saquon, and maybe, I'm sure people are very attached to him, it sucks. But if you're not going to resign him in March, trade him away. And the same goes, you know, Leonard Williams, the people that aren't a part of the future of this team, get a, get a pick for them. Like, it's that simple. And so, yeah, I think the Giants absolutely need to start thinking about 2024 and 2025. See, I agree with you on that. Is ownership going to sign off on that? Specifically, I think they would with, like, Leonard Williams or some of the other pieces, maybe on offense or defense. You give me the name. I don't know if they'd sign off with Saquon, Danny, I don't think just because so, of the marketability it, and all the stuff he brings. The Maras are freaked out by... I mean, they were freaked out at the end of 2021 because people stopped going to the games. People stopped watching them, right? Saquon probably still puts butts in seats. And at the end of the day, that is what owners are always thinking about is, are, you know, they make changes when people stop coming. And I think that they would be afraid that who we're going to put on tickets if Daniel Jones has a neck injury and can't play and Saquon's gone. The GM. The head coach last year was the toast of the town. Things have not worked out well for him. But now it's the second year. And I get your point about the Buffalo comparison. Year one, ahead of schedule. They make the playoffs. Year two, they take a step back. And then really year three is where you're going to dictate, where you're going to see where Joe Shane and Brian Dable are taking this thing. Um, I'm admitting defeat on Evan Neal. And I, I know everybody loved him when he was taken. Danny can't find a bad word about the pick. Can't find a bad word about the pick when it was made. That said, would Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave look a lot better in a giant uniform at this point over one of those two guys? Yes. Yes, they would. Um, are you still as confident maybe as you were six months ago about the state of the giant regime? Yeah, that hasn't changed because, okay. you know, Evan Neal, I mean, I, I'm still happy the Giants have Thibodeau. Uh, I think Evan Neal, I will say, the only thing I'll say in his defense is Andrew Thomas was labeled a bust. It took a while after for his year, and he had weird stuff. Do you his... think he's got to move to guard, Danny? Is that where Neil's going to be salvaged? I think a lot of tackles move to guard as a save face thing. I think Evan Neal, he, I mean, he has a, a versatility that's not seen a lot, and that he actually like there was a, he might be a better guard than a tackle, but obviously tackle is a lot more valuable. I think the difference is a lot of times it's admitting defeat, and Evan Neal, all right, drafted one too high, but he might still be a guard that can start for the in the NFL for like a decade. So I, I, I put it this way. If Evan Neal got cut, I think he'd have an eight-year career somewhere else as a starting guard. So I, I think that, you know, it, yeah, it's too high and he might not ever be an elite player, but I think he will start for the team. I'm not super worried about that. And again, he's young. I, I, but overall, to your point about the direction of the team, look, to tell you the truth, the Daniel Jones contract and everything, we can go in as deep or as shallow as you want on it, but the mistake the Giants made was declining Daniel Jones' fifth-year option. And this gets a little convoluted, but the basic way it is, is every rookie in the NFL, if you're drafted, you get a four-year contract. They're the first rounders only 
the team has a fifth-year option. They can extend it because obviously the better players, they want to have them for longer and give them more time to negotiate a contract. But the, the teams have to just exercise the option. They have to decide if they want that fifth year before year four begins. The Giants decided, and understandably, Dable and Shane came in, and one of the first decisions they have to make after the draft and everything was, are we going to, they declined to guarantee, because it's guaranteed, guarantee Daniel Jones $20 million for what would have been this season. That's why he was a free, uh, contract year last year. And here's the thing. The con- Once you're at the end of last season and win the playoff game against the Vikings, what are you going to do? Let him walk? Everyone outside you is have like, to bring oh, him you back. Let him go. Everyone who listened to this show knows, what are you going to do? Let Daniel Jones walk into free agency? And what, we're going to pay Jimmy Garoppolo? going to pay Derek Carr? Please, uh, get out of here. And so the mistake they made was being more afraid of Daniel Jones being bad and having $20 million on this year's salary of for him than being in the situation they were. But the reality is no one was who's making fun of the Daniel Jones contract now was saying 14 months ago that they should guarantee the $20 million. You know what I mean? Like he played really well, but they bet against the quarterback and lost. But they're in this situation. But I still think that if they get a bad enough pick, all right, maybe Daniel Jones isn't on the team in 2025. Like they might, you know well, what I mean? And that's the thing with the contract, right? And we don't have to get too technical on this, Danny, but it's pretty team-friendly after next season for them yes. to move on from Daniel Jones, They can Jones, get out correct? of the contract after next season. And it, it, that's not ideal, but the reality is, as much as I love Daniel Jones and he put his body on the line last season, and the toughness, I have no doubt, we are in an NFL world where the only people who can compete are the people with elite quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. They have, you know, Andy, they have both. Mahomes, if you, you need an alien at quarterback to drag your offense or you need one of these coaches that like are elevating these guys, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, who are elevating, you know, two, I don't think two is as good as Patrick Mahomes. I don't think it's close. I no, think, I mean, what, I don't think anybody well, would argue. Yeah, yeah. But what Mike, Mike McDaniel's doing with this team is they've put, they've built an entire philosophy of, of players who are at the extremes, right? Kyle Shanahan with more physical style, but athletes and Mike McDaniel, just this pure, nasty, raw speed. And they built an entire philosophy and then, got the best people on earth to execute it and then make the quarterback better. And so it's like, I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be pulling the train, right? I think he's getting pulled. And if you have the opportunity in the draft to get a quarterback who can pull the train, you have to do it. Want to get to the Jets. Talk about weird. I would have signed for three and three with them, with Aaron Rodgers, yeah, exactly. with their schedule. I would have said back in July, they go three and three in these first six, they did a great job. They lose Aaron Rodgers in game one. Forget about any of the stuff of him coming back in December, January, whatever. I don't even want to talk about that. If it comes down the road, yeah, you worry it's, about it's it. It's so then. cart before the horse, yeah. And even Aaron Rodgers said that earlier today on McAfee. He goes, look, we, we are ways away from even putting that in the air. Here's my question. They have a terrific defense, top-notch defense. This year, the difference, in my opinion, is that they are making game-changing plays that they weren't making a year ago. Quincy Williams did it against Denver. They get the Adams interception against Philly. Whitehead's doing it against Buffalo. Three and three. Schedule eases up, but it's not as easy as people think. The Texans are much tougher than people thought. The Browns are going to be a really tough game in January. Whatever. Can the Jets, Danny, get to nine or ten wins with Zach Wilson as their quarterback guiding this ship? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, look, I think Jets fans know this, but obviously surviving the first six weeks was such a big deal, right? Because, I mean, just literally just playing all these incredible teams that uh, you know, the Chiefs and the Cowboys and the, the Bills and the, it, not the Patriots. 
And <laughs> the Broncos aren't as good as the Eagles. But, oh, don't you love uh, saying that, uh, dismissing yeah. the Patriots, the it's, peasants that they are this year? Well, it's peasants is the word. It really is great. I, I'll say this, though. As much as Jets fans heard entering the season, during the season, how important, like how hard the first six weeks would be. Dude, the, the Jets have three seasons in this regular season. This next month, the Jets have, I don't want to be dramatic, but this is the this is the meat of your season because it's not as hard. But the Jets coming up at the Giants, which, I mean, obviously they're in the NFC, but I mean, just the, the heart and soul of just beating the Giants versus losing to this team would be tough. Then the Jets play the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Bills. JG, those are the wildcard teams you're competing with. The Jets are not hey, going to win listen, this division. You want to be a playoff team, you got to beat LA That's, and you got to beat Vegas. I totally agree. It's so, it's like totally not, agree. They're not going to catch the Can't expect them to beat Buffalo twice, though. To be fair on but that, even you before can't expect you, that. I, it's not. A, but that's the thing, though. The, what this play, the simplest way you could put the playoffs to the AFC is there are three AFC East teams, right? The Dolphins, let's say they win the division, so it means Bills and Jets. There's three AFC North teams because you got um, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Steelers. Uh, and that you know, and, and that's even not in the even, Bengals, and the Bengals. you got to include them in a mix See, too. That's the thing, but there's only three wild cards. So right now we're talking about five teams for three spots, and the Texans and the Chargers. So that's I got eight fingers up for three spots. Well, they're playing the Chargers, and the Chargers are playing the Chiefs this week. So the Chargers lose the Chiefs this week, two and four. Jets can put them at two and five. They're done. The Raiders, as bad as they are, three and three playing the Bears this week. They're four and three if they beat the Bears. The Jets have to beat the Raiders. So if you can knock off the Chargers, knock off the Raiders, you take out the AFC West itself, right? So then, then you play Buffalo again, maybe you take the L. But then you come back around, you got to be Houston. Like the Jets are playing all their wildcard competition. And, and, and this stretch is so, because if they fall, I don't know if you have a winning streak in you. Like it's hard to expect, you know, 5-0 and finish in December. Like they, once you lose these head-to-heads, it's brutal. So I, I think this is an essential month for the Jets. So I was in Philadelphia for a wedding this past weekend. And let me tell you, fun. oh my goodness, dude. I, you know me, there's no love lost with the Jets. I rooted so hard for the Jets on Sunday oh, after yeah. dealing with those people for 48 yeah. hours. Dude, the I'm going to the bar. You know, we're minding our own business. I got my Dolphin sweatshirt on and I got these Dale Co accents saying, you're going down next week. I'm like, dude, you're playing the Jets. Well, why are you worried about my team? What is your problem? What is your issue? So, Heifetz, this game Sunday, it is freaking personal for me. I want it bad. I want their tears. I want their pain. I want all of it. And I'm not brave enough to go, by the way. There's no way you could pay me after just being oh, at like on. a nice... No, 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 no. First of all, there's a couple of things working against me here. Number one, me rocking my tour jersey and dealing with those lunatics is a hard You're going to leave with your own Two, head injury. Uh, exactly. Then I'm going to need some jujitsu. Then <laughs> I- I'm going to have my New York... My New York license plate in the parking that's, lot. That's the problem. At yeah. Lincoln Financial Field. Bro, I'm, I'm never yeah. making it out of that place alive. And you can't, I wouldn't do public transportation either in that jersey. No, no, I, no I, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. And listen, I've been to some hostile environments. I've been to Baltimore before. I've been to, you know, Boston before. I've been to uh, Buffalo before. That is a different breed, dude. It so, is. You know what it reminds me of? Someone once described to me that they went to Michigan and they were like, when you play Michigan, Ohio State, it's kind of like Yankees, Red Sox. There's animosity. There's all this stuff, but there's a respect. And though you Michigan plays Michigan State, it's just like cavemen. Like, and, and I feel like the, 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 the New York-Boston thing, it's like a different thing. And the New York-Philly, it's just it's so much uglier. <laughs> See, I, I totally get that. 
I was just stunned with me wearing dolphin paraphernalia. Yeah. Like, what, what are the Dolphins and the, the Dolphins and the Eagles play each other once a decade? And also, you know the, what same I mean, about dude? the Phillies too. Same about the Phillies being good. Really, just like it, like takes the the what Harper and Castellanos are doing right now for the Phillies. I feel like has also just like absolutely ratcheted it up every, the entire city. And can you believe the Yankees didn't even call Bryce Harper a few years ago? Yeah, no, we're, we're not interested. Lefty bat, you know, Taylor made swing for Yankee Stadium. Grew up a Yankee fan. Now we're not, we're not even going to call him. No, no interest. No interest. I, I, I have, I literally have no words. You shouldn't. It, it was, it's as bad as can be. He, he was, he's Mickey Mantle. Exactly. With swag. Mickey, Mickey Mantle, Mantle swag, with yeah. 2023 swag. And now I got to see him down I-95, torment me. And torment the rest of baseball wearing a Phillies uniform. Um, that that Dolphin Eagle game, that's got game of the year potential. So I, I am fired up for that one. I, it's incredible. And you know what? They say styles make fights, right? And it's it's so incredible to see these two teams that obviously can throw. I mean, I know Hurts at the three picks, but you know, the offenses can move, but they can run the ball. I think that's what's so cool about watching your offense this year for Miami is obviously they can pass. Tyreek Hill has almost as many yards receiving as the entire Cleveland Browns. Uh, it's actually incredible. But the, what I love is they can run. And it, the, the Eagles are this physical, physicality-style run. Obviously, they have the tush-push. Hurts is, you know, 600-pound squatting quarterback. A.J. Brown's freaking huge. They Julio, they can, they're big people. And the Dolphins are speed, right? It's these two different styles. J.J., uh, can I blow your mind? Your yards per carry, unru- you're running back. When your running backs get the ball, not like a receiver end around, nothing fancy. When your running backs get a handoff, you are averaging over seven yards a carry. You're averaging more yards running the ball with your running backs than Patrick Mahomes throwing a pass. That's insanity. And I know A-Chain probably adds to that. And unfortunately, he's not going to be there for the Philly game and he's not going to be there for the Kansas City game. But how good is Raheem Mostert, Danny? I understand it's a lot of scheme and I know it's what Mike McDaniel is drawing up. Mostert is better than people give him credit for. He's a tremendous, tremendous runner. Mostert is also an incredibly likable person. Um, He had you know, he came up, you know, in the night, he was on the Niners and McDaniel was there and he had a, like a real journey. I think he'd been in like seven or eight teams, practice Bunch squads. Of practice squads, trying, yeah. Including played. Miami's, by yeah. the way. Including oh, Miami's. Oh, that. Because he, he had like eight teams till he caught on and then he had a good game. He broke his leg in 2017 and then 2019, he had like 200 plus yards in the NFC Championship game. And I, I, it takes a lot of faith to try to still be an NFL running back when you haven't had a shot by, when you're over 26 years old. But like the fact that he's, it's, I mean, he's one of the oldest running backs, not experienced, but like, snaps but by age he's one of the oldest running backs in the league like he's 31 like I, Latavius Murray's 33 like that's about it for guys over 30 like actually starting and it's a track team I mean seeing him in person it is ridiculous Tyree Kill enough said and, and you know normally those trades for receivers they never work out now Kansas City's not complaining they won the Super Bowl last year they're still really really good Tyree Kill has been better in Miami than he was in Kansas City. You realize that? I Isn't think, that crazy? Well, it's, the Eagles signed Julio Jones, and I kind of think Tyree Kill is probably the best receiver I've seen in the NFL since Pete Julio Jones. Tyree Kill is, is officially probably on the Mount Rushmore the best receivers of my lifetime. Uh, I, I, it's hard to explain how good a season is. Like your, the best receiver stat, or one of them's yards per route run. It's very simple. It's like how you run a route, how many yards you get per route. And the best season ever was Tyree Kill last year at over three, which is insane. To get over three yards per route run, it's like Calvin Johnson Hall of Fame territory. Tyree Kill had the best yards per route run last year in 12 years. Tyree Kill is like a yard above that this year. And if you pull out, this is the best part. If you pull out garbage time, he's over five. 
So all the yards are coming when it matters. Tyree Kill's yards per route run is over five yards per route run. Like no one else has been over three in like a decade. That was one hell of a trade. That it was, was one of the best trades ever. It's probably one of the best trades ever. I would say that win-win. The Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and, and the Miami getting the greatest show on surf. But then also Justin Jefferson for Diggs, where the Stephon Diggs and the Bills are happy because Stephon Diggs kind of legitimizes Josh Allen as a franchise quarterback. The Bills wouldn't trade that. But then the Vikings get Justin Jefferson, who already has more yards than any player in the history of the Bears in like three years. So that there have been a lot of win-wins, but the Tyreek one is an all-timer. Danny, always a pleasure chatting. Um, I hope to see you soon. Um, aside from your Giants being one and five, it seems like everything is good, bro. <laughs> if not Caleb Williams, Drake May. He's baby blue. We can just get He's in. really good. Yeah. I saw him against Syracuse. He's very impressive. Very impressive. There you go. Perfect. JJ, Danny good Hyfus. luck. Oh, listen. Pray for me. Pray for my soul. That's Danny Heifetz. We're coming right back. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, for is yours. A little baseball, a little football. What do we think of, man? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper. Picks is going to be for Wednesday the 18th, a Major League Baseball game, and Thursday the 19th, a Thursday night NFL football game. We'll start out on Wednesday the 18th. I'm going to take the Houston Astros plus the 120 over the Texas Rangers. And for the Thursday night game, that part of the five picks, I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars plus the three over the New Orleans Saints. Again, two plays for Wednesday. We're going to go with the, in baseball, we're going to go with the Astros plus the 120. And for the Thursday night game, because we pick all Thursday night games, we're going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars plus the three. Let's see if we got some family plays. Everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. We do have a family play with the Astros. Look, I'm on the Rangers for the series. I bet the Rangers in the first two games of this ALCS. I don't get the sense, Dusty Baker and that team, that have been to the ALCS every single year since 2017 is going to go down quietly. I just don't see it. I think there's going to be a rust factor for Max Scherzer. And Christian Javier has been nasty in so many postseason starts. I'm with you. I'm on the Astros in game three. As far as the football, too much uncertainty for me at this moment in time because I don't know what the deal is with Trevor Lawrence and whether or not Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to go on Thursday night. So I get it. Uh, I'm going to lay low on Thursday night. And when we do our East Coast Bias show, which will be tomorrow, which we're fired up about, uh, we'll have some clarity then. Good stuff as always. Want to thank our buddy Stefan. Want to thank CJ Uzama and Danny Heifetz. We're back. Football Friday. All the festivities. All the trimmings. Everything you want to hear. That's coming your way Friday. Early morning. Thursday late night. Until then, JJ out. Enjoy your Wednesday. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 
Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 100gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.